Okay, thank you very much, first of all, for inviting me to your podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a real pleasure to be here. Okay. Um, you're, you're very kind in uh, saying that I am a doctor. I am. Uh, you. Rightly said, both the doctors and nurses are a very important part of the National Health Service, as well as other people, therapists, dietitians, etc. So I'm a doctor that works at Milton Keynes University Hospital, and I work in the intensive care unit, and mm-hmm. I in theatres, the operating theatres, uh, as an anaesthetist. Yeah, so I know that you wear quite a few hats. You're a doctor, you're a psychiatrist, you're a teacher, and I don't know if you're saying this, um, I'm saying this right, an anaesthetist? Anaesthetist, correct. Yes. Or are they say yes. in America, anaesthetologist. <laughs> yes, that. So I know that you're the head teacher at my Sunday school, and you're very good at it. So um, today I'm going to focus mainly on one, which is the doctor hat. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to ask you your first question, which is how did you become passionate about being a doctor? Oh, very good question. How long have we got? Uh, (laughs) Short, I was passionate about being a doctor from when I was younger than you. Um, And I think being a doctor still is something we a vocation not just a career a vocation means you really want to devote your life to a particular path and for me it was always medicine even from a very young age uh, I always saw um, the hardship the illnesses that people mm-hmm. around had and I felt very, it was very important for me to try and help them in some way and the best way mm-hmm. I thought I could help them was by actually Uh, becoming a doctor and treating them and their illnesses yeah so um you said that you were very passionate about it before younger than me and i'm 10 right now so that's a pretty big dream and i'm glad you achieved it so by the way you're saying it it sounds like you love your job a lot and so i want to ask you what your favorite part of your job was and why or why not so good question. So the favorite part of any doctor's job has got to be treating somebody and then seeing them get better and going back to a normal way of life and going home. I work in a hospital. So for me, seeing them leave the hospital and going home better than when they first came to me. That yeah. is the privilege of the job. And there is nothing better than making somebody feel better or saving their life or making their illness go away or at least even manage their illness so they can have a life uh, with um, happiness and joy in it. To achieve that yeah. we're doing really well. 
I think that is amazing that you want to make everyone's life better than it is now. So I know that teachers do the same thing. And I know that you used to be the head teacher at my Sunday school and you were very good at that. But I, it's kind of a weird question, but why did you choose to be a doctor and not a teacher, seeing as in you're such a good teacher? Ah. So I have to say, when I was very young, as I say, younger than you, um, it never occurred to me to be a teacher. But having said that, I think teachers are amazing people. I think they change and shape young people's lives and give them futures. And I think they're an extraordinary group of people. And they're, as I grew up in terms of teachers, my parents used to teach me that my teachers were like my second parents. And I think that's very true. Even today, they yeah, should be like So yeah. it didn't occur to me, to be honest, to be a teacher. It, I just wanted to be a doctor. But if I had been a teacher, I would be very happy doing that too. Yeah. So when you said doctor, I remembered that. We had to keep on the doctor part. So I saw your interview on ITV, and you said that even young people were suffering. And so is it the same now? Has it changed? And has, so the government has kept schools open. So how can we prevent the coronavirus? And how do we prevent young people from getting it, as well as other yeah. people? Yeah, so let me ask, answer the first bit first, which is young people get it, do they still get it? So when I was in the interview referring to young people, I meant young adults rather than young children. Yes. Young adults were getting very, very unwell and um, we were looking after them on our intensive care unit. Um, mm -hmm. Young children still were getting COVID, but somehow their immunity was allowing them to be uh, much better in their illness than older people, than young adults. Yeah. Young adults were really struggling with their breathing, for instance. Children were not struggling so much with their breathing. So they mm -hmm. still get COVID, but they didn't seem to get quite so unwell as the young adults and the older adults. And that's what mm -hmm. I meant by young people, the young adults. In terms of the second part, schools and how can you uh, try and be safe, so the, it's a really tricky balance, isn't it? You could shut everything down, no schools, no businesses, and theoretically that might make people safer. But ooh, are you still there? Because my my yeah. uh, has just gone into uh, save mode. So just give me one second while I try and unsave it. Here we are. I'm back again. Uh, so so if you shut everything down, theoretically people might be safer, but there is to be had that people still need to live their lives and have some kind of interaction and, and children need to be educated if you lose that huge bit of education a year or a year and a half then that makes a massive difference to you growing up and how you want to achieve what you want in the future so it's a difficult balance but the answer has to be about keeping safe so children need to wash their hands they need to catch um, it minute, minute. yeah yeah so I think children are more of carriers than taker-ers. So okay. um, when you said that before, I was like, oh, so that's why schools are open, because you mentioned that they were young adults, not like children. So on the same interview, you mentioned that you had the coronavirus, and I was wondering if you could share your experiences of the coronavirus, hmm. and what did you do to prevent giving it to other people? Okay, so the second bit of that question to prevent, 
That is a very straightforward answer. And that is you have to isolate yourself. You have to self-isolate. So if you have the coronavirus, you have to prevent it from going to other people and the most to other people by contact of some sort. So you stay away from them. In terms of my experiences, it, COVID is a very difficult illness to deal with. It, it has different, um, it shows itself differently in different people. So for me, lots of terrible aches and pains. I had very high fevers. Um, I had that for about 10 days. I was really very grateful for my own family helping me and looking after me, but actually also for neighbors and friends, you know, sending me uh, their well wishes and their thoughts and even coming over to the house and leaving things by the doorside, food and parcels that would just cheer me up. And that made a massive difference. And I think that's what we need to do if we can, in a safe way, reach out to our neighbors and our friends and make sure if they're not well, that we're, uh, we have them in our minds and we're helping them in some small way to make them feel better. Yeah, so um, when you were talking, the question popped into my mind, when you had the coronavirus, how did this impact your job? So I had to stay away from work for the yeah. 10 days, which is a problem because if enough people stay away from work, there's no one to look after the patients. <laughs> Always a real worry. Um, luckily we were able to carry on because a few people at a time were away. So as soon as we knew somebody had the coronavirus, they had to isolate themselves. They had to stay away for two weeks. Um, and in that two weeks, the rest of the hospital had to manage. And luckily they did. But it's always yeah. a problem here. You're not well, but you want to be there help in the hospital, helping the yeah. patients. So, yeah. So when you were mentioning your story, when you when you had the coronavirus, it's like... It sounds like it was very difficult. And speaking of difficult, what challenges overall as when you were a doctor or when you are a doctor right now, have you been facing during all the times that you've been a doctor? So, And how did you face them? Okay, so in all the times that I've been a doctor and for all doctors and nurses, the real challenge is to look after your sick people and to try and get them better. That's always fundamentally what we're trying to do. In the COVID pandemic, the difficulty has been that we've had a huge number of really sick people and the same resources. So you don't want to run out of resources. You want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to be treated and to get better. And it was a worry for a while that we wouldn't have the resources to treat everybody. But luckily, the way it's turned out, we were able to treat all the people that needed treatment. But that was always the challenge that we were trying to deal with. Yeah, so the most trickiest thing, I don't think I would ever be able to do something that hard. Oh, I, I think you could. <laughs> Thank you. So um, when, you, when I said that I couldn't do something as difficult as that, I don't think I would be able to do this question that I'm about to ask you right now. So if you could, if you could summarize everything that you've done as a doctor in one sentence, only one sentence, what would it be? What would the sentence be? Very good question and very difficult to do it all in one sentence. But I guess thinking about it, I would say to be a doctor is a privilege and an honour. And it has been my honour to look after people and to make them better. Mm -hmm. So... Now it's coming to a end and I would like to ask you if you had any nuggets of wisdom or advice for any of our listeners. 
So the best advice I think I can give for people who have faith and people who don't have faith, the best advice I think I can give is always, always stay on the path of truth. Wherever that truth takes you is the right place for you to be. And on that path of truth, you'll have setbacks along the way, and the setbacks are there to develop you and to make you a stronger person. So never look at a, set, at a setback and think of it as a failure. It's not. It's how you grow and develop. But as long as you're on the path of truth, the outcome will always be good and always be a success. I completely agree that life is definitely full of ups and downs and they're, they're never that a bad thing. They're kind of a mistake that you can learn from. So since you've given advice to your listeners, do you have any advice for me? So I'd say the same advice and then I'd add for you because you're doing this amazing thing here. Uh, you're clearly very passionate about it. And so follow that passion. Stay true to who you are. Enjoy what you're doing. Really develop this as well as other interests that you have and see where it takes you. And I, I think you will go places that are very high, that are very, that will be amazing. And your parents are proud of what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is great advice. And I will definitely remember it now and then. And thank you for offering your precious time. I am so honored to have you on my show. Thank you so much. So this is Delisha Mostyn helping you not to forget that you can do awesome things if you don't give up and keep working hard. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much.